You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. You know, Mary, I need to um, thank our affiliates at NBC and specifically at Meet the Press uh, for their really excellent reporting about uh, fundamentalist Christians, evangelical Christians, and uh, Donald Trump and the Republican Party, which uh, was just released released yesterday. And the guy that interested me most of all, and I, I'd like to kind of jump off with, was the pastor of a church called the Patriot Church. Now, there's some real interesting implications of naming it that, but but I want to focus on one thing. He said this country was founded by Christians. I think he even qualified it mostly uh, Christians. But I got to disagree with them right up front. I, I know they would have called themselves Christians. I suspect nothing on the line that the pastor of the Patriot Church would have accepted as Christians. In general terms, if we had to give a denomination, the founding fathers probably belonged to what we would identify as Congregationalists, not really a major denomination now. Some of it we still see in Unitarianism, but maybe more importantly for this conversation, theologically, we would classify them as deist, D-E-I-S-T-S. And what that means it's called the great watchmaker theory was that they believe there was a God who created everything, but then God kind of lost interest in stuff. And so the world was allowed, uh, the creation was allowed to go on like a great watch with gears and God did not really interfere with it. I'm talking a long time here, but, but I want to complete this kind of thought. He stressed that uh, this creation created a Christian nation, which he points out was based on certain values. And the interviewer properly asked him, what were those values? And he had them at, his, uh, at the front of his mind. He said there were three. First, we believe in the sanctity of marriage and that it's between a man and a woman. Second, there are two genders, and that is determined at birth. And finally, in his words, I'm not making this up, he said, there is a little baby living inside the mother uh, during pregnancy. Now, the fact that the Gospels do not speak of any of the three of those doesn't seem to bother him. Actually, if I had to tell him, he probably does live with some of the values of uh, the Founding Fathers, is I identify the values as permitting slavery, uh, keeping women out of government, and limiting power to people who owned land and property. I, all this, of course, led him to say God had chosen, not a deist thought, but God had chosen as his vessel to carry this all out, a flawed man, Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> Hey, what's so interesting about his um, thoughts about the founders is that if you could find any document 
in which Thomas Jefferson or um, Madison or Washington, any of them, had made any reference to same-sex marriage. I mean, it wasn't even a concept then. I don't think it was a big part of the founding of the United States. I mean, John, you couldn't even in our childhoods, this is our lifetimes, have had more <clears throat> than like the mo the fringiest of the fringies say that the United States was founded to protect same-sex marriage because we didn't even know there was such a thing. No, we never and, imagined it. We never imagined it. I mean, lack of imagination on our part, I guess, but it wasn't like it was a mainstream idea in any way. And just as an aside, I look at our society and congratulate us with our, our ability to so quickly adapt to justice and what is right. But you know, those founding fathers, they weren't about all of that. They were about, like you said, protecting the white male landed class against everybody else. That's what they thought justice was. This is not to denigrate the system they created or the founding fathers in any way, but they were very much the product of their age. And so I think that guy, whatever his name was, he was listing called Pastor. Well, Mr. Pastor, Pastor. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Pastor. I think his um having those three be the issues upon which he thinks the United States was based just demonstrates how much of a product of his age he is. Not a product of universal theology that would explain the founding of the country that ultimately becomes the multicultural uh, country that we are. Well, and what he's doing, so many people do this, you kind of list out what you think and feel. And in his case, it's, uh, you know, no, you're not going to have any of what you call your homosexuals. Yeah, we don't like that. we don't like that. We don't like that. And you know all those people in the cities who are generally what you call your people of color, they're all having sex and they're having babies and they go ahead and have babies because they know they can just just abort them. You know, you take all these thoughts and then to give them great validity, you stamp them a religion. You say, yeah, and that's my religious belief, and it's called Christianity. I, you know, I saw like a meme at some point uh, that said, if it turns out that God hates all the same people you hate, maybe you need to question your idea of God. <laughs> that's, I, very, that's very clever, actually. And, and, but I think that's really the case, isn't it? We figure out who we hate, and then... We give it religious validity, and it gets even crazier when we anoint a Messiah, and he's a reality show host slash uh, failed real estate developer. And we say that- Slash predator. Slash predator. We say, that's the guy that God chose, which frankly has always been 
the most improbable thing ever. Even you know, to Trump, I think. I, even to Trump, yeah. I, You know, he found it convenient. But have you ever seen the picture of him with like this group of evangelicals surrounding him, all praying, and he's got his eyes closed, and he looks like he's going to take a poop. He just, <laughs> he does not look good in that role. John, do you think that um, that by the evangelicals, and so this didn't start with Trump, right? Really, this is kind of a product of the 80s and Reagan and the... Um, right. What was his name? Ralph Reed. Exactly. Jerry Falwell. Those yeah. people that that they that group and that kind of attempt to create a theocracy of sorts that they have done more to damage. Um, um, how am I trying to say that the, the commitment to organize religion? Like they're right up there with the Catholic priests in terms yeah. of destroying those institutions. No, I think it absolutely has. And I, I'm going to fall back on my experience a little bit here. You know, I teach high school. I teach theology in high school. And so I am talking constantly to young people uh, about this, about these kind of topics. In general, uh, I think you would find that young people say that the church, and we're not talking about the Catholic church, overall religion. Most of them find it totally irrelevant. A great number of them find it homophobic. A great number of them uh, find it totally antithetical to their views, uh, the way they see, see the world. There is nothing in the Gospels, uh, in what the nature of Christianity is, that supports all, all of this. But it was a tool. And where the tool, I think, begins, I mean, some historians, uh, I think Meacham in particular, point to the uh, ruling that you could not have prayer in schools, which is in the early 60s, and say that's kind of where it started. That may be. But I think the whole thing was race-based, that uh, the idea of these kind of right-wing Christian not only churches, but schools as a place you could flee to get away from desegregation really took hold a little bit by Nixon's time, but by Reagan, they had figured out that they were a political force and they could organize and ally themselves with the Republican Party to be able to take power. And we saw the greatest fruition of that in Donald Trump. You, so yesterday um, in the New York Times, there was a long piece about, I think it was eight of these guys who are being um, prosecuted for the January 6th activities. And it was interesting it, how many of them had this strong religious connection and where they're and some of them weren't even really radicalized, John, in terms of politically, but they were exposed to and um, became followers of the, the conspiracy theories, the stop the steal, the whole, you know, um, cauldron 
of right-wing ideas. And it was through, at least in one guy in particular, it was through his relationship with his sister. But he himself was very, very religious and committed to his church and his community. And I thought it was kind of sad because that's how you use people. And it just felt to me like what a sad um, use and misuse of otherwise devout people who want to do the right thing. They think they're doing the right thing, but they themselves are not critical thinkers about where that information is coming from and what's the purpose of it. And so that was interesting. And the other thing I was thinking when you were talking is you wonder if, you know, let's go back to the 70s and 80s. And if you said to someone, Jerry Falwell, I don't know, this movement, you may put a president in power, you may get the Supreme Court, but the result of that will be the damage long term to religion to religious thinking and religious institutions as people see them as just tools of the government, not independent places where people go to worship. In the same way that it's like I always wanted to ask one of these priests who's in jail now, right? Like, was that worth it? Because you and your cohorts have in many ways destroyed the Catholic Church. They're, a, in my opinion, they're a big part of what's happened to um, Catholic observance, which is like, how can I be part of an institution that would tolerate that? So to me, those I don't separate those two things out because bo in both cases, you had individuals who wanted something, power, their own gratification, whatever it is, and they did that at the expense of the institutions themselves. Well, I think you're right. And I think the element I'd add into that is that so many of these people, and I, I mean, I'm going to be direct, so many of them men, uh, felt that they were above it all. They were above the law. They were above the rules. Uh, yeah, that stuff is wrong, and it could have a bad effect on it, but I'm exempt. Uh, in Catholicism, we call that clericalism. You know, you've been ordained, so you live by a different different set of rules throughout so much of the evangelical world you know we kept hearing again and again about these mega pastors who preached you know incredible strict morality but were living uh, a really immoral life themselves and to me that speaks to the cynicism that was at the bottom of all this that it was couched in Remember the phrase, family values were the mm -hmm. party of family values. Remember when the Republicans used to think that was them? Uh, <laughs> that was, that was the before times. John. Yeah, the before times, before you decided it was okay to have a really, as they like to say, a flawed messenger. Oh, my God. Right. But, to whom the rules do not apply, to make your point. No, no. And who is willing to be out there? and say the rules do not apply to me. Remember almost immediately at the beginning of his presidency, he pointed out that ethical rules and laws did not apply to him as, as president. 
the rest of us kind of said, maybe that's technically true about the law, but we always trust our president to follow a set of norms. And he just wasn't, wasn't going to do that. But and that's his whole, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just think, you know, that's the cynicism that's embodied in Donald Trump. And I just, to finish that thought, that's his whole cohort. That's why you have these guys refusing to honor these subpoenas and putting the, the government in the position of enforcing them. I know that's their job, but that undercuts the rule of law so badly. And I think, I mean, that's going to play out this week. Um, you know, we're talking about Bannon this week. But at some point, I think the message need to be, needs to be sent. The rules apply to everyone because when, when they don't, then nobody follows the rules. So what a great way to start the week. Happy Monday. Bye. <laughs> Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.